General Buller's Defence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Report from the Poverty Bay Herald, Volume 28, Issue 9301, 14th of November 1901, page 1. General Buller's Defence. Surrender Message to Ladysmith. A remarkable statement. London, October the 12th. General Cerevas Buller seized the occasion of a volunteer luncheon given yesterday in the Queen's Hall, Westminster, to make a remarkable reply to his critics. Colonel Sir Howard Vincent presided, and the Duke of Norfolk was also present. In opening, Cerevas said that he did not think the army had been given fair play and he condemned the newspapers for their criticism of men who were doing their best and risking their lives in their best efforts, and the result of that was to a great extent the continuance of the war. He instanced the case of General Gough, who had fought with great bravery through two long years, and had been condemned without having a hearing. The speaker knew the country where General Gough was ambuscaded, and twenty-two years ago he himself had refused to take a convoy through it without five hundred men. Goff was ambuscaded because he was chasing boars. What should he have done but chased boars? In my opinion, every single man who risks men and loses men now, so long as he kills one boar, ought to be praised by the press and not abused. The sort of criticism the press indulges in now is not fair, and it is not decent, and it is not calculated to finish the war. I have received hundreds of letters all in this strain, asking me if I can do something to help to remove the funk officers at the front are in of being found fault with if they lose a man. That is why I speak. Don't find fault. There are men out there, gallant men, good Englishmen, Irishmen, and Scotchmen, who will fight if you will let them, but if, when they have fought and done their best, you find fault with them, then they will become discouraged. Hear, hear. He himself had been attacked, he continued. He did not care for that. He thought only of his friends. General Buller then related a curious story of a man whom he described as an international detective calling on him at Aldershot and strongly advising him to give up the Aldershot command because there were men who were determined to get him out of the way. General Buller said he replied that he was a fighting man and what he had been told would only make him the more resolute to remain. A fortnight ago, he continued, a few London papers came out on the same day with a bitter attack upon him. It might have been accidental, it was certainly a coincidence. The Times, for instance, said I am not fitted to be in command of the First Army Corps. Well, I assert that there is nobody at this time in England junior to me who is as fit as I am. I challenge the Times to say who is the man they have in their eye more fit than I am. The Surrender Telegram He had also been attacked on account of a telegram he was said to have sent to Sir George White, 
ordering him to give up Ladysmith and to destroy all papers. He wrote many telegrams, and he perhaps wrote one telegram which might admit partially of that description. He could not disclose all the telegrams he had written because they concerned others. With the particular telegram referred to he stood absolutely alone, and therefore he had not the least objection to giving the facts. I attacked Colenso on December the 15th. I was unsuccessful. It was a very trying day. I was at work thirty-six hours, and in the saddle fourteen hours. It was the hottest day of the whole year, and I had rank bad luck. I still believe and hope to show that if I had not had bad luck I should have managed to get in, but that is another story. I attacked Colenso and failed, and having failed I had to consider not myself, but the people in front of me, the garrison in Ladysmith. My appreciation of the situation was this. There was a very good man holding Ladysmith. I did not know him well, but I did know that there was not another man in the British Army I would sooner have selected to hold a beleaguered garrison. Horse sickness was almost certain to come very shortly in the Tugela Valley. I knew that enteric fever was epidemic at the time of the year and I knew, or thought I knew, that the Boers were putting dead horses in the water which the garrison of Ladysmith were obliged to drink. I was in great fear that whatever other misfortune happened to the garrison, they would have immense trouble with the sick, and great suffering with those of their garrison who were sick. The whole of the staff were shut up in Ladysmith. I thought I knew that I had official information in writing that the garrison could not be fed beyond the end of the year. I was wrong, as I have found out since. At that time I thought that, and believed it. It was then the 15th of December. The end of the year was sixteen days off. The message I had to send to Sir George White was that I had made the attack, that I had failed, and that I could not possibly make another attempt for a month, and then I was certain I could only do it by slow fighting and not by rushing. That was the message I had to send, so I wrote a telegram out and looked at it two or three times. A MEAN THING I said to myself, it is a mean thing to send a telegram like that. White is a gallant fellow. He will sit still to the end. But I was in command. Whatever responsibility there was, was mine. I thought again, ought I not to give White some help, some assistance, and some lead, something which, if it comes to the last absolute moment, will enable him to say, well, after all, I have Sir Reva's Bullers, as my commander's, opinion in favour of this. Therefore I spatchcocked into the middle of the telegram a sentence in which I suggested that it would be necessary to abandon, to surrender, the garrison, what he would do when he surrendered, and how he should do it. I put it after one question he had to answer, and followed it with another question. I did not like to suggest to a man I believed to be a brave man and a good soldier, I did not like to suggest that he should do this or that or the other thing, 
but i stuck that into the thing simply because if he ever had to give up it might be some sort of cover to a man whom i thought in much greater difficulty than i was myself that was the telegram now i challenge the times fairly to put forward their scribe reformer to bring him down into the ring let us know who he is by what right he writes what his name is and what legal authority he has let him publish this telegram i know where it is i believe it is in the hands of the editor of a magazine who some years ago made himself remarkable notorious not i should think popular by raking over the garbage of a fifty-year-old story and dishing it up hot and insulting an old and valuable public servant that is where it is it must have been stolen because it was a cipher telegram addressed to sir george white and perfectly secret i challenge them to produce it and say how they got it and when they do that i will publish a certified copy of the telegram i sent and the public shall judge me i am quite ready to be judged let it be understood that i make that challenge as a whole it hurts no one else but me i make this statement to save my friends i have not been drawn as regards myself but i want to keep my own people out of the newspapers end of general buller's defence recording by ruth golding